I'm, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the husband of only one wife, which is a good thing. Um, even better, she's been the same one the whole way through. Uh, we've been married for 26 years. Uh, my wife, Jillian, she's the love of my life, my desire, my passion. She's the only one I desire, only one I uh, ever wanted to be with and only ever one I will be with. I've banned her from dying from me. Um, I've literally just told her this cannot happen. Uh, it's, it's, and I'm going to live till I'm 100, so she's going to get really old. Um, but she is the absolute love of my life. I have two children. I have a 19-year-old daughter, Lara. She's a fashion student. I have a 16-year-old son, Will, who is six foot two. He likes to put his chin on the top of my head. Um, and ironically, he is a chess champion at that height. You, you, you want him to be an NBA star, but actually... Uh, he, he's a chess champion, an absolute legend uh, with a great mind. Uh, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah this morning, the book of Jeremiah. Um, and I want to share a message with you today that uh, they say there are a lot, of, a lot of sermons, but only a few messages. And I want to share with you a message today that uh, I guess is one of my core cries uh, in this season um, for my life and for, for us as the church and we're going to read out three scriptures, Jeremiah chapter 23, beginning in verse 21. I'm going to read it out a couple of times so we can get it, and then we're going to preach it, and then we can go and get lunch. But let's, let's go. Verse 21, Jeremiah 23. This is God speaking, by the way, through the prophet Jeremiah for three verses. So all of these are the words of the Lord, except when Jeremiah says, saves the Lord. So just to give us clarity. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. We've got three verses, and in the first, God makes an observation. In the second, he gives an offering. And in the third, he introduces an understanding. Let's read it one more time. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. Turns out a preacher doesn't need unction to fill his mouth with words. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Here's our key scripture. Am I a God who is only close at hand? Only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. I am far away at the same time. I am, says your God, the far away God. Let's pray. 
Father, I just pray that in these next few minutes, you'd just give me clarity to speak. I pray you bless the service. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Be with us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, Before the pandemic, I was preaching in the nation of Japan, and I was doing a series of leadership conferences throughout the nation. And the way it would work is that we would do the conference, go to bed the next morning, get on a high-speed train, go to the next city, do another conference, go to bed, get on a high-speed train, and on the third day, we were in the city of Tokyo. I love Japan. I love its food, I love its culture, I love its abundance of power lines that seem recklessly dangerous, but are there anyway. I love the food, I love the fashion, and we're in the city of Tokyo having the time of our lives, and I'm preaching in this conference. It's a big conference for Japan. There's maybe five, 700 people there, an absolute packed out crowd in this conference center. And as I'm, as I'm preaching in the middle of my sermon, I'm looking out at the crowd, and, and I'm preaching My translator, Kirby, he's standing next to me and he's turning it into Japanese. So I'm up there saying a phrase, Kirby translates it. I say a phrase, Kirby translates it, and we are rolling. I'm having fun. I know Kirby is having fun. And I'm my perception of the message, honestly, if I can be honest, I was like, John, you're killing it. This is this is absolutely going fabulous. I'm looking out and I'm like, I'm too Christian for this church. I mean, I thought. I was absolutely nailing it. And as I'm in the middle of my sermon, my eyes went from the back of the auditorium towards the front. And I don't know what was going on specifically, but the closer I got to the front of the auditorium, the less engaged the people seemed to be. I mean, I'm looking towards the front rows and people are staring at the sky, looking at their cell phones, looking at the corner of the auditorium, and I'm thinking, why is nobody engaged with me? Until my eyes got all the way to the front row, and similar to Wave Church being in Japan, the front row is literally within spitting distance. I apologize to you guys, but you'll be doubly blessed, my spit's anointed. But I was looking at the front row of the auditorium, and as I get there, everybody has a finger, and they're pointing in one direction, so I follow the fingers. And we go from one side of the front row all the way down to the other side, and everybody's got a hand pointing in the same row, and over here is a girl with an iPad in her hand. It should have been a guy, but a girl with an iPad, and written on the iPad, it said, Pastor John's fly is completely down. I am preaching in one of the most civilized nations in the world, attempting to bring glory to the one true God, and I'm revealing a glory of a completely different nature. And my perception of me, and their perception of me, well, let's just say it could not be more different. In our passage of scripture this morning, we've got God and we've got the prophets. And the prophet's perception of themselves and God's perception of them just could not be more different. We've got the prophets and the Bible says, God says about them, he says they are running around all over the place. These are influences. These are people with full calendars. These are people with a booked up itinerary with places to go, people to see, a podcast here, a message here, a book launch over here. They're running around all over the place. 
If you know anything about ministry, it can be that the trap becomes that activity is the epitome of influence and effectiveness. And God is looking at these prophets, and this is what he's saying about them. They're the prophets. They're the people entrusted by God to bring his message and to make things different because they declared the word of the Lord. And this is what God says. He says, they are running around all over the place. That's their perception of themselves. They are claiming to speak for me. Now into God's perception. He says, but I gave them no message. I gave them nothing to say. And because I gave them nothing to say, they've got a lot of activity and it's completely ineffective. They have a lot of action, but they have no unction. They have a lot of words, but no impartation. They have replaced effectiveness with busyness. They have high action, and they have very little impact. They have religious activity, but they have no revival. And God is saying, they are in an empty oracle, a prophet without a voice, a believer in Jesus without a promise from God living alive on the inside of them. They're a leader with a hollow mandate. They're faking it, but they are not making it. And when I read that scripture, something kicked in my spirit. Because church, if there is one thing that we do not need in the age in which we live, it's the semblance of religion that has no cut through in the culture in which we live. We do not need a bunch of religious activity to be able to come together, hold hands in worship, sing kumbaya until our palms get sticky, and then walk out the doors of these auditorium and make no impact in the world in which we live. We need a church that is alive. We need a people that are full of faith. We need a promise from God that we're bringing to each and every day, each and every situation that we find ourselves in. The, what we do not need is another group of mediocre religious people who come to an auditorium only and then we go about the affairs of our daily lives busy, full of activity, but no anointing, no cut through, no miracle, no revival. I believe that the offer that God gave to these prophets is still just as alive and real for us in the year 2023 where God said to the prophets, if you would stand in my presence, if you would come before me, then you would hear my words. And if you would hear my words, you would proclaim them and then things would be completely different. Two things that I notice about the second verse that really get me excited. And the first one is that God says to the prophets, even though they have been faking their prophecy, he still says, come and stand before me. He doesn't say you're banished. He doesn't say you're banned. He offers the ageless, timeless, constant word that Hebrews tells us is still available to you and I that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive favor and God's word in our hour of need. 
And right now, in the year of 2013, God still says, come and stand before me. Come near to me. Come close to me. Come into my presence. And then God introduces something that must cause a flutter of expectation, the dawning of hope, the scent of water in the middle of your dry, desolate wilderness this morning, my friend. God said, if you would stand in my presence, then you would hear my word. And when you proclaim my word, this situation can and it will change in the name of Jesus. If you believe situations can change every person, put your hands together and give your God some praise. He said, come and stand in my presence. You can hear my word. And if you would hear my word, you could speak to this situation and things could be different. There is a new outcome. There is a different level of effectiveness. Things can change. We don't have to accept things the way that they are. And then God introduces an understanding in the form of a question. So often we come to God thinking that he's the God with all the answers. And we find of him that he's actually the God with all the right questions. Who told you that you were naked? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you want to be made well? Are you ready for that? These prophets are running around all over the place claiming to speak for me, yet I gave them no message. If they would stand before me, then I'd give them my message. And this would all turn around. Running around all over the place. And now he gives us an understanding in the form of a question. He says, am I a God who is only, only close at hand? Is that the sum total of what may be known of me? Is that all you can experience of me? Is that it? Is that who I am? I'm the God who's close at hand? No. I am far away at the same time. Far away at the same time. Thank you. I have some friends who are gonna help me. Can you welcome them as they come out and join me here on stage? Give them a big clap, these strapping men, as they join me here on the platform. Come on, give them a big clap. We chose only the good-looking guys here at Wave Church to be part of this illustration. Uh, come on up here, guys. Form a huddle around me. Form a huddle around me. In fact, we might just jump up to the top level. Let's go up to the top level. We need some room. We've got to spread out. Give me wings to fly. Just form that horseshoe around me would be fantastic. See, see, see the thing about the, the world in which we live, you can move back, you can move forward, you're doing great, that's excellent, fantastic. And you can, you, yeah, you can, you're doing a great job. Give it up for Devante if you love him, he's a great man. See, I don't know about you, but it feels to me like the world in which we live has suddenly changed. Uh, has anybody felt like that? Like in the last decade, I, I was born in the year 1973, which makes me officially old, but the truth is that the world in which we live has radically changed in the last season of time, and we've suddenly found ourselves in a new world. And in the new world in which we live, it's different to the world 
in which we used to live. Because I remember, I remember when work used to be something that I did when I turned up at 9 a.m. or maybe 8, maybe 7, finished at 4, finished at 6 at the end of the day. But now my work seems to be with me everywhere. I mean, now I wake up in the morning and before I've even had the chance to form a cognitive thought, if I'm not careful, I immediately grab my stupid, I mean, I mean my smartphone, and when I grab my phone, the moment that I grab it, I'm getting emails that are just coming in at me that my boss sent to me or my friend sent to me or my, my employee sent to me uh, during the night and immediately it, it's just at me. My job used to be something that was over there, but now it's, it's here, it's, it's close at hand. And it used to be, used to be in my life that I would be happy, I would be happy because I got to live my life. But the truth is before I even came to church this morning, I jumped onto social media and because I was there, I not only got to see the wonderful experience that I have to be here today, but what every other person, every other pastor I know is doing in every other part of the world and it's the same for you. You're not just living your life anymore, aware of what you're going through, but you're aware of what everybody else is doing and where they are going and what they are going through, except that they only offer up for you either the highest in order to make you jealous or the worst in order to arouse your sympathy. But we're living in a world where no longer is it my life and everything else at a distance. It's all just close at hand. And we live in a world where there's always been, always been tragedy and disaster and difficulty, famine, war, earthquakes, these are things that have been constant, but now because of 24-7 news cycles, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it is the most exciting, provocative, emotional, and, 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 and watchable news that is happening in the world, we take the worst events of humanity and we pump them into the lounge rooms and smartphones of people all over the world. The worst of the world is close at hand. And then I remember, I remember when you used to watch Friends at 7.30 on a Wednesday night and you had to wait till next week to find out what Joey was doing. But now in the hotel I'm staying in, the gym has friends playing 24-7. I could watch it all night while getting biceps. It's just there constantly. You can sit on a lounge with your popcorn and you can stream all the series until you are no longer able to move anymore. It's all just close at hand. And sport. We used to have one or two games we cared about, but now it's like, can I get you introduced into, in, into excited about the English Premier League? Could I get you excited about rugby that nobody's heard about here, but it's a great, great, great sport. We could, we could get you excited about Formula One. Nobody used to care about Formula We got all these things that we care about because we take everything in the world and we make it all close at hand. And your job used to be enough. But now to get ahead, you need more than just one job. You need an extra job on the side. And so now you're quite convinced that you can go to your regular job and then come home and do your side hustle and get ahead. And so there's just more and more pressure and more and more activity. And it just feels, you can shop whenever you want. Praise God, find the devil at the same time. That's my wife's worst disaster. But everything just, come on, get with me, husbands. Don't look like you don't. Oh, I disagree with him. But the truth is that everything in our world is close at hand. It's close at hand. It's close at hand. 
It can feel like you're just wandering through life just constantly under pressure, feeling the pump all the time. You've got a microwave minute to transition from your work environment to the relationships around your meal table that you desperately want to stay together. It's all just close at hand. But in the middle of all this, one of the things I'm so excited about and I wanna preempt you to get excited about it too, church, in just one second, is that the God that we serve never said that I would leave you in the middle of the close at hand. I don't know about you, but I am grateful that no matter what I'm facing in my life, my God is close at hand. He's close at hand. He's close at hand. He's there for me when the work pressures seem to inspire anxiety. He's there when I'm full of self-loathing because I want to what I saw about somebody else's Instagram feed. He's there for me in the middle of all the hustle and the bustle. If I'm trying to navigate a job and a sick child in hospital, my God is there for me. He's there for me and he's there for you. No matter how great the pressure, no matter how, how, how tempestuous the storm, no matter how adverse the environment, no matter what kind of pressure you are experiencing today, your God said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And sometimes all the time you need is the moment from the car to the front door to say, Jesus, would you help me to be the husband I want to be in that home? And God said, I'm there for you in the middle of that prayer, and I'm going to answer it. Your God is faithful. If you believe it, put your hands together and give God some praise. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. And in the middle of this world that we've found ourselves in now, we're still trying to connect with God. Is there anybody out there who, like me, you fell into the trap of trying to read your Bible on your stupid, I mean, smartphone, and in the middle of doing it, you've got three text messages, a pop-up for a sale on an app that you've downloaded, and you found yourself, before you got five scriptures in, tempted to click on another app that popped itself up on top of your Bible. If you're a truthful Christian, put your hand in the air. Yeah, thank you very much. It's all just close at hand. It's all just close at hand. It's all just close at hand. In an age like we live in, where the most valuable thing on the planet is your attention. Your focus is worth more than gold. If I could invent anything that would get your attention guaranteed every time, I would be a multi-multi-billionaire. It's the most valuable thing on the planet. And in an age where your attention is the most valued thing, it's easy to find yourself in a place in your life Well, you're full of activity, but lacking depth and significance. You're a follower of Jesus. And he is with you, but your life feels empty. They're running around all over the place. They're running around all over the place. They have a veneer because they have no substance. They have a projection but they have nothing meaningful on the inside. They have a call for war, 
that comes from an empty soul. They're faking it. They are not making it. And so God introduces this understanding in the form of a question. He says, am I a God? Am I a God who is only close at hand? See, you're, you're running around all over the place and you're praying your prayers and I'm there for you. But, but is that all? Is that all? Is that everything? Isn't there more of me? Isn't there something greater that you can come to know? Don't you need something transformative right now? Something of cut through? Something to lift you? Something that could make this whole situation different? And he says, the problem is, is that I'm not only the God who is close at hand. Sometimes you gotta do more with God than just pursue him in the microwave minutes of the day by day. Sometimes you gotta do more than just engage with him in the second that you have from the front door to the car. Sometimes you gotta do more with God than just read your Bible on a smartphone whilst interacting with iMessages. Sometimes you've gotta go deeper in order to become the person who he desires for you to be. Sometimes we've got to choose to do this. We've got to push back. I need you guys to step back. We've got to push back on everything that is day by day. And we've got to reach for the faraway God who can only be discovered when we go for him with the day. By the way, pause. He does look strangely like a Jesus character from an Easter production. Let's give it up for the faraway God. You have the hair, the muscles, the beard. You, have, you even have the tattoos to make you culturally relevant. Yeah, you're crushing it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. We gotta do more in moments of our lives than just reach for him in the middle of the hustle and bustle of everything that we have. We need to be a people who know how to do more than just acknowledge God whilst living over-occupied lives. We need to know what it is to reach for a God who isn't just there in the distracted seconds of my over-occupied life. We need to know how to reach for the God who requires me to put my phone on flight mode, to, to leave my cell phone in the car when I enter the church service. We need to know how to, how to put away the television for the evening, to silence the voices. We need to know how to come before a God who says, give me more than just an hour. Give me, give me the night, give me the moment. Let me speak into your life. The God who said to his disciples, come away by yourselves and meet with me. We need to know how to reach for the God who is far away, the God, the God who comes to us in moments of surrender and of worship and of devotion and illuminates our lives and brings a word of promise that defines us and shapes us. It's the faraway God who calls the prophets to hear his word and to speak them to his people. It's the faraway God who is calling to you and me saying, I wanna fill your life with substance. It's the faraway 
runaway God that Moses found when he was in the wilderness and saw a burning bush. It's the faraway God that Isaiah encountered standing in the temple as a prophet when he saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. It was the faraway God that Saul encountered on the road to Damascus and renamed him Paul and changed his life forever. It's the faraway God that we need in our time. It's the faraway God that we need in this moment. Coming out of this pandemic with the world in need of revival, with issues everywhere. We don't need an empty church or a distracted church or a people who are mute in their faith. We need a church that is alive and full of promise and full of power and full of potential and a living word. We need a group of people who have met with the faraway God. With the faraway God. I need you to stand over there and then you guys, I need you to gather around me, gather around me, gather around me. Because here's the thing, in the age in which we live, one of my greatest, one of my greatest fears is that we could, if we're not careful, if all we know is the close at hand, then we end up with a distorted picture of what our God is even like. Or we certainly dwarf the potential of what he could do. Our, our expectations become religiously conformed to what we have seen and touched already. And so all we expect from God is the close at hand. I mean, John, what are you talking about? We'll examine what we're singing about. Examine the state of the church and we suddenly start to find, I'm a believer in the church, I'm not here to tear anything down. But come on, can we find a believer who's still willing to praise? Yet sometimes it feels like we wanna opt out of that part, stand in the church service with a latte in our hand, waiting for it to pass so we can get to the worship song because the worship song feels like it's more for me. It's a sacrifice to praise. And then we sing songs of worship and it can be, if we're not careful, that we're excited about the songs of worship that talk about how much he loves us. And this is true. Every song that says God loves me is a truthful song and there are moments where it should be proclaimed because if you've got a sick child in hospital, you need to know that God is there for you. And if you're facing a difficult marital conflict, you need to know God is a God of promise and that he cares and that he's there and that he's always. But if your songs that you like are all about me, if the word of worship you enjoy is all about me, 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 me. Let me tell you something about the angels in heaven. They aren't circling the throne of God, those seraphim, singing God loves me. They're circling the throne of God, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory. They're not speaking of the close at hand God. They're proclaiming the glory of the far away God. And it's the faraway God that I came to talk to you about today because I believe if there is one thing God wants in your life, it's an encounter with the faraway God. He wants to fill you with his presence. He wants to lift you beyond what you're encountering right now. He wants you to lead you into the fullness of his presence to get before him, to know him, to feel him, to experience him. It's the faraway God that made Habakkuk climb the ramparts. It's the faraway God that Moses would go outside the tent to the the camp, to the tent of meeting to pursue. It's the faraway God who led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting. It's the faraway God that kept the early church in an upper room for over 40 days of prayer and fasting. It's the faraway God. It's the faraway God. And who is Jesus? without 40 days in the wilderness. 
And who is Moses without the tent of meeting? Who's the early church without the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of fire? And who am I and who are you? Unless we know what it is to experience the faraway God. And if there's one thing we need in our time, church, like we've never needed it before. Jesus came down the Mount of Transfiguration and his disciples were there with a large crowd of people and they're trying to drive a demon out of a boy. It's really awkward when you're a disciple of Jesus and a demon won't move when you say move. It sucks your very soul when you're battling the devil and the devil seems to be unmoving. Jesus drives the demon out of the boy and then he's, the disciples wisely ask him, why couldn't we get it out? And he said, well, this kind doesn't come out except by prayer and by fasting. The close at hand God won't help you now. What you need is the faraway God. The band can come and join me. Thank you so much to my friends. Give them a big clap as they move from the stage. The faraway God, the faraway God. Those early believers used a word, in fact, it was iconized here in America by Charles Finney, to tarry. They said, you wait in the presence of the Lord until you receive. Tarry. It's a word that means to wait, but not passively with expectation. Hosea 6, he has torn us, but he will heal us. He's wounded us, but he will bind us, bind up our wounds. Let us press on to acknowledge the Lord. He will come to us as sure as the rains, as sure as the latter rains. The faraway God. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength until they reach the height of new day. The faraway God. It's the faraway God you feel when you had a plan for your evening. And a strange quiet descends over you. The kids are still making their noise and brushing their teeth. But a quiet comes over you. It says, pause tonight for worship. That's the faraway God. I started in ministry full-time when I was 19 years old. I quit preaching about five months in. I thought, I'm never gonna do this. I'm no good at it. At the end of that year, a friend said to me, he said, I believe God wants you to go away by yourself and pray for a bit. And I looked down at my Bible that was open in front of me as my friend spoke those words. And it was the words of Jesus to his disciples after John the Baptist had been killed. Come away by yourselves and rest for a while. I spent nine days at a little shack at the beach. I prayed, I worshiped, I read my Bible. I found God. I already knew God. But I found God. I went there knowing the close at hand God. I left 
knowing the faraway God. The faraway God is here. He's here. He's in this room. He's calling for your life. I'm talking right now to some people that are really in the middle of some difficult situations. The faraway God has got answers and promises 